Hi, I'm Amanda Pashuko. This is She Love. Hello, it's Davida. I'm Gina Lovato. Hey, it's Anna Dunn. I'm Caitlin Bailey. This is Melissa Novak. It's Sean Jacobson. Hey, it's Bethany Nicole. Welcome to Sex Party. And welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. <laughs> Sex Party with your host, Dustin Ripka. Hello and welcome to Sex Party. I'm your host, Dustin Ribka. Joining me this week for a brand new episode is Jessica Esfandiari. Jessica is the host of the Open Late podcast. She is an expert in non-monogamy and polyamory. She has a ton of life experience in both, and it all started with an accidental threesome with her partner, now her husband. How can you explore non-monogamy, polyamory, anything else you want, really? How can you have an accidental threesome? Uh, it's coming up. What roles do control, fear, and jealousy play in preventing you from exploring these things? At the end of the episode, Jessica tells us a story about her experience in the Orgy Dome. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Jessica Svandiari. This week's conversation. conversation. Jessica Asfandiari, welcome to Sex Party. How are you? I'm great, Dustin. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, one of the coolest last names ever. Rolls off the tongue. We were just talking about that. Um, I'm super excited to have you here. I feel like there is so much that we could get to. We'll see what we get to, right? Um, I feel like I can, I can hear and see the audience in the future, and they're like, when are you going to bring her back already um, from our little conversation before? Uh, but for the people who don't know who you are, they've never seen your face. They've never heard your amazing last name. Who are you and what do you do? Um, well, yeah, my name is Jessica Spandiari. As you introduced me, I, um, I'm the host of Open Late Podcast, which is a show about sex, love, and relationships through the lens of non-monogamy. So most people know me as that, I guess. I've been a coach for a long time, a facilitator of retreats and, you know, big events and done a lot of things over the years and founded a nonprofit that, you know, is now doing amazing work in Colombia and I am getting ready to start a family. So mm. that's also like a big life shift that's happening. So I'm not really doing anything but my podcast right now, which is nice to kind of wind down, you know, a lot of work and career things that I've been up to for the last couple of years. And now Open Late has all my attention at the moment. Yeah, I mean, and the episodes are fucking killer, right? And, and they just have, they really like pack a punch. I mean, like so does your content and, and a lot of the research I did and and I say this every episode because my guests like don't fuck around with their with their content like and and you're no exception right everyone on the show has really good content but I feel like your episodes and your content with with non monogamy and polyamory and and threesomes or anything right through this non monogamous lens that you talk about is like it really does pack a punch I feel like with your you're not fucking around like with your reels like you get right to it and they're and they're quick and their value uh and they're fun right but also like with the show I feel like every episode you're you're nailing something and nailing it well but it's through this lens of like for people maybe that's their first time experiencing someone talking so openly about non-monogamy, polyamory, threesomes, whatever it is. And mm. I think you hit it from a place that is accessible, right? Where if someone's a pro, they've been doing it. They've been going to sex parties, whatever it is, they can jump in and be like, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I didn't know that. If someone is not, has never been to it, is curious, same thing. So I love that about your show, but to like rewind back Tell me about your show, like from your voice, because like, when did you start it? Why open late? All the things. Yeah. I love this question. No one ever asks this. Um, so I, I had the idea to start openly a long while after we were open. We were, okay, let me back up. We were very private for a long time about our relationship. And that was mostly me. I... Uh who is we? My husband and I. Okay. So I've been I've been married for 
almost nine years and we've been together for about 10 and open for the majority of that time. We had our first threesome accidentally almost maybe six months before we were married, six months after we moved in together. And for five years, I didn't want anyone to know. I was very closeted. It was a secret. My husband was a little less like, he's like, okay, I'll follow your lead, but I, I don't care who like, this is our life. I don't care what people think. I want to live my life and be who I am. And so it took me a while to adjust. And the first time I was ever public about it, I gave a talk at Burning Man in 2019. And at that point, like a few of our friends knew, like our close friends knew and, you know, no family, no nothing. I mean, maybe, maybe my husband's family kind of knew because we live close to them and they're around us more. So maybe they like saw some things, but it was very, it was like a big secret. And I gave this talk and it was so well received and people in my Burning Man camp kind of wanted to know and they knew. And so it was like, okay, maybe I'll give a talk about it. And then like 50 people show up and it goes really well. And then I didn't do anything about it. The pandemic happened and we, everyone went online, right? And it's so funny. It's like a Burning Man centric, which I didn't realize until right now. But that same community, they started doing these like Zoom conferences just for people to like have something to do in the beginning before we realized that Zoom was going to be like the worst thing ever, like Zoom fatigue. <laughs> but we all started getting online every night and like, you know, whatever it was. And somebody brought it up and they're like, will you do another Q&A session about your open relationship? We're really interested. And I was like, sure, why not? This is a safe group of people. They're like the most loving, non-judgmental people ever. So I did another one. Same thing. Everyone was like, could you provide more content on this? Will you do a part two? Will your partner... Um, at the time, we were in a relationship with a woman, the three of us. Uh, will she come on and talk about it? And I was like, oh, there's something here. And so I think it was in, I don't know, in 2020 or 2021. I don't remember. But anyway, I had the idea to go on Instagram and do these Instagram lives and same thing. It was like all these people were showing up with really great questions and people were hungry for this info. And I was giving people a sense of community and helping people not feel the way I felt for years, which was like closeted, ashamed, really just taboo. And I was like, you know, I can be helping people and I'm not because of my own shit that I haven't worked through. So let me just do it and I'll work through my stuff along the way that's uncomfortable about, you know, not wanting to talk about my sex life online. And after a summer of doing these like Instagram lives, I was like, okay, this is probably, we should probably put this somewhere that I'm not going to lose it. You know, I have this like love hate relationship with Instagram. So I was like, all right, this is an actual podcast. And, um, you know, one of my, really good friends, uh, who, who like works with my husband. He was, he kept, he was like on top of me. He was like, when is this podcast coming out? When are we doing the podcast? And that was it. I just like had enough support from the people around me and we just put it together. And when I launched it, it was really, I didn't know like how well it was going to do what people were going to think. And the first 12 episodes, I actually had people interview me on my own show because I was like, I'm not going to be able to like offer the fun, entertaining, like salacious information myself. I have to be asked and prompted. <laughs> so I had, I had like some of my really good friends and some people that I didn't even know that were recommended come and interview me. So I could tell the story of the arc of the last eight years of our relationship, like how we opened up, how we sort of dipped our toes into non-monogamy and how we ended up now being Polly. So that was like the inception and the dawn of the show. Yeah, no, that's fucking uh, amazing uh, that there's like a, there's a ton of good stuff there. And you said, um, you know, how you started, how you, you guys dipped your toes in the non monogamy pool. Right. So can we talk about that? Like in the very beginning, you, so you're in this relationship for how long before the conversation starts or like the buzz, right? Because 
I think this is really cool, but it's, I think it's like already like really fucking helpful for people who are feeling that way. Right. And they don't know, is it, is this what I'm feeling? Right. So I feel like if we go to your origin story with non-monogamy, I think that would really open it up. No pun intended. Right. Or maybe pun intended. I don't know. Right. Well, what the fuck is going on? But, um, yeah, sure. I think that would really, um, be awesome. So can you, can you take us back? This is where the effects would come in if it was a TV show um, yeah. for a flashback scene. And so was it you? Was it him that were having these feelings? Like, hmm, maybe. Yeah, it's such an interesting, um, it's such an interesting story. We, it's funny. I feel like if you ask my husband, he'll say that we were already talking about it. But from my perspective, we weren't really talking about non-monogamy. What we did was we both came from relationships where there was like cheating and we were just in those like traditional young 20 something monogamous relationships. Like I'd been cheated on. He had been cheated on. I think, I don't know if he was a cheater. I actually forget, but it was just (laughs) not good. And just that like trying to fit yourself into this container that doesn't really work for you or serve you. I think we were both experiencing that. Neither of us had really any idea about non-monogamy or had like done it before. In fact, I walked out of a couple threesome experiences when I was younger, just because I like didn't have the confidence. And I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going to go and I can't control it. So I'm out of here. But when we got together, we made a decision that we weren't going to just do the norm and we weren't going to sort of settle for the traditional, like, if I'm attracted to somebody, I'm not going to tell you about it. And we started to play with that. Six months into our relationship, we were already talking about, you know, like, if I was attracted to other women, when that came out, I was like, yeah, I am. And I've never really, like, explored it. I've always been very, you know, I had, I was raised very good girl culture. So... We never talked about being with another woman, but I started telling him like, I don't ever want you to feel like you can't just be yourself with me. So if you're attracted to somebody else, tell me. And he was like, same, I want to know. And then it kind of became our kink. I'd be like, oh, that guy's really hot. And then we'd like talk about it and we'd talk about it in the bedroom. So six months into our relationship, before we were even married, we had what I always refer to as the accidental threesome. We were out. We lived in Vegas at the time. We were at a nightclub with a good friend of mine. And there was a lot of flirtation between her and I. And there had always been that, but we never acted on it. And so we ended up taking her home, having an amazing experience. It was not premeditated on like anybody's end. Although my pot, like Pasha would be like, oh, I mastermind that, but no. Um, (laughs) And it kept happening. Because the next day we like talked about it and I was like, that was amazing. That's like everything I've always thought about, about being with a woman. And he's like, you should explore that with or without me. Like you should explore this side of you. And I was like, really? Because the relationships that I was in previous to my husband, I was in like three monogamous relationships and they were all very like jealousy heavy with the Mm -hmm. men. Maybe not one guy, but first boyfriend, last boyfriend before my husband was like, they were very insecure guys. There was a lot of jealousy. Um, and they were both cheating. So go figure. Um, (laughs) yeah. And so when he was like, you should explore that. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I, I kind of knew, we knew that we were like, we knew very early on we were going to be life partners. I think it wasn't like a decision. We got married exactly a year to the day after, you know, deciding to like, give it a go. And I was like, you're going to be my husband. Like you want me to date women? And he was like, yeah, like, great. And then after a little bit of that, we started to dabble. We started to go to some lifestyle events. Um, We hooked up with our first couple at Burning Man the next year. And that was amazing. And then I started dating men on my own. And then we like fully opened when it was like, okay, I'm dating people that you're not involved with. And you're hooking up with girls that I've never met. And we fully opened maybe two years down the line, maybe three and got to a place where we were really comfortable with that. And 
now, I mean, and then shortly after that, it was like, okay, we have these agreements that we always share everything. So this is sort of part of our dynamic where we tell each other everything. And it used to be part of like our fun kink too. Like we really enjoyed it. Now we're in the place where like, I don't have to know, like if he hooks up with somebody tonight and doesn't tell me till the morning, great. We're not very like, I have to know everything. Where's it going? What's what's happening sometimes for my safety he's a little bit more like where are you if your location's on whatever if i'm traveling um and then five years into our relationship we met lauren who became a third in our relationship so that was the first time ever where we both like had feelings for another person and we both fell in love with her and mutually her with us individually and we carried on a relationship with her for about three years, maybe a year and a half for the two of them. And then their relationship evolved from a romantic one to more of a friendship. And she and I continued for about another year or so. And recently we've also realized that it's, I mean, we're like a family at this point. It's not, it's very intimate still. And I still call her like my partner. I consider her in a lot of things, although we're not romantic at this moment. And that just like feels good for us and works and everybody's happy. So yeah, that's been the evolution. Yeah, no, we love a good evolution. That's fucking amazing. I mean, congratulations, right? Cause it sounds like, it sounds like you guys are getting everything you want. Um, and I'm going to see like, I'm going to, I have a bunch of even like questions to the questions now. Cause I feel like this is huge because, because in a relationship, as you know, it's complicated. It's difficult between two people, right? Let alone uh, yeah. a whole a whole bus full of people, or another person, or Burning Man, or like. Well, I mean, it can get really tangled. I feel, and so I want to navigate that a little bit. But first, right with your previous partners, you said they were jealousy heavy relationships. Were they jealous of you scoping out other women, or was it jealous of you with men, or both? If you, if you can remember. It's yeah, it's so hard to remember so it's long ago. I do remember I'll say this and this is god like long time ago now like 15 yeah. 20 years ago. My first boyfriend who I was with for a long time, um high school and some college. You know, there was that like ownership mentality like I'm yours, you're mine. You're very young. And I remember I went to study abroad and it was the first time in my life where, you know, I'm very young at this point and I'm thinking like, we're going to be together forever. Like, this is my husband, <laughs> senior in high school. And <laughs> in my junior year of college, we were still together and I knew I wanted to study abroad and go to Italy. And for the first time I had the thought, oh, I don't want to be with him. We're going to be apart mm. for like four months. And I thought, okay, maybe we'll get back together, but I'm going to bring this up to him. Let's like, and we weren't in a good place anyway. We're fighting all the time, like kind of breaking up, kind of not. And I think I was like emotionally cheating also, like having these little like emotional things with other guys in college. And he was like, absolutely not. We're not breaking up. So you can like hook up with other people. And I was like, well, mainly because we're unhappy, but yeah, we're going to be apart for four months. Like we're very young. Let's explore. Let's live our lives. And I, I think I already knew that he was cheating on me but I didn't want to admit it to myself. And then he was like, absolutely not. And I just was like, okay, cool. We're not breaking up. Like I listened to him. Now I look back and I'm like, who was this woman um, yeah. or this girl? And then, so that was kind of like, he wouldn't be able to handle it jealous in that way. And there was like a lot of fighting. I feel like if I ever looked like I was attracted to somebody else, there would be like comments in my last relationship, the guy that I was with in Vegas before I met my husband, he was very jealous. And also the more kind of sexual that I wanted to be. And at that time I was really finding myself and he was just pulling away. So we became like roommates. So he was giving me like no affection, no attention. Um, I was very emotionally stunted in that relationship as well. And I would try to like, oh, let's try this. Like we need to like 
revitalize our sex life. And we went to therapy and he had like his hormones tested, like all this stuff to sort of explore why. And he was like a little depressed at the time too, a little depressed. He was depressed. Um, and we couldn't kind of get to the source and I'd be like, well, let's do something fun. Let's go to a strip club or like, let's have it. That was the first time I even ever was like, oh, maybe we have a threesome and that like ignites something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, absolutely not. And then we get mad at me for bringing that stuff up. Like I was some kind of sexual <laughs> deviant or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was really, really interesting. I mean, in the whole time he was actually cheating on me. Like he was yeah. like leading a double life actually that I ended up finding out about, um, which is so telling to who I was at the time, just some girl that had blinders on and I was working like a ton of overtime at my job. So there was just a big disconnect in our relationship. I was also disconnected from my body and my intuition. Like I couldn't see all the red flags that were there, but he was very jealous. Um, and like I worked in Vegas, so I was in nightlife working in nightclubs and he didn't like it, but I paid the bills. So yeah, when I met my husband, like it was like a 180. And so it was confusing at first. I'm like, wait, what? But I'm like, I'm going to roll with this because it's very different than who I am and what I've done. And it feels so good. It feels so freeing. And I think the same thing for him. He had been in relationships with like jealous women. And so we were both a breath of fresh air for each other. And yeah, just worked. Yeah. I mean, I asked that question because the jealousy question, because people just assume with dudes, um, oh, my girl's kissing another girl. We're going to have a threesome. And dudes are like, fuck, yeah, let's go. Porn, boobs, like whatever, right? I get to fuck two chicks. I get to watch, like whatever the thing is. And a lot of the times that jealousy is not just from another male. It's like they're, they're, they get jealous. I've even had, had instances where I'm like, wait a minute. What am I feeling right now? Am I feeling jealous or threatened or what is the issue? And people don't stop, I think, to – and if I didn't have a sex podcast, I probably wouldn't stop to even analyze those things. Or maybe I would because I'm kind of like uh, in my head about everything a lot uh, internally. So like – but but usually they don't. They just get jealous and absolutely not and they label you a deviant you know, uh, or they treat you like a deviant like you said. So I think it's really interesting with that, with that jealousy question. Um, like totally springboarding from there with the jealousy thing and how things can get strange when you guys in your, in your current relationship now jumped from uh, having threesomes with other women to like fully opening up and, or or like having men or like swapping or whatever, right. Where you were having sex with men, he was having sex with other women. Was that a difficult jump? Was it smooth? Were there bumps? Like, was it easy? Was it hard? It was pretty easy for us, which isn't like, I'm like, this speaks for a terrible interview because like there's no drama, but it was, we, I think we were both just really repressed too in not only our relationships, but society. Like Mm. we we live in a culture that's so sex negative and like, I mean, it's like the thing that we need to reproduce a can't be that bad. B like we have these pleasure organs, but everything has to be like so taboo and under wraps. So I think we're both, and we're also like seekers. We're really into personal development and growth. So anything that's going to like accelerate our growth and who we are as people, we're like into. So we love putting ourselves in like kind of uncomfortable situations. And so for us, we're always looking at like, okay, how like dissecting it and analyzing it, as you said, with jealousy, like, how does this work for me? How do I learn from it? And actually there's something before we like get into the next thing I wanted to touch on with jealousy Yeah, because you bring up a really good point. People don't, they don't analyze it. They don't look at themselves. And I think jealousy is a really lazy term for a lot of other uncomfortable emotions. I always say this on my, my podcast. It's like, Okay, look deeper than jealousy. What is it? Are you insecure that this person's going to leave you? Is there a lack of trust? Do you not have sexual self-esteem? Do you feel out of control because you don't have all the information? So when people ask me, like, were you ever jealous? Like seeing him with another woman, 
it's very easy for me to be like, no, because that specific jealousy, like maybe like having envy of somebody else doesn't really resonate with me. But if I don't have all the information, I feel a little bit out of control of the situation and that gives me anxiety. So if I look like underneath the jealousy, it's like, okay, what's there? What does it bring up for me? It had me work on like insecurities that I had from childhood, you know, when my parents divorced and my dad like went and remarried and had other kids. And I never understood because like, I love that family and like my family, my brothers and sisters, like I, I never felt like, oh, I was jealous of them because I really wasn't, but there was an insecurity that was sort of implanted in me at a young age where it was like, oh, you could be left for, you know, this other thing. But the other thing ended up being such a beautiful thing in my life that it felt like an addition always, like Mm -hmm. never a subtraction with my family. And so I think also looking at like polyamory when like Pasha maybe falls in love with somebody else. I'm like, oh, what can this add to my relationship and my dynamic? So I'm kind of went down the rabbit hole there, but I think it's so important for people to examine their emotions. Like, don't be lazy. Don't be like, oh, I'm jealous. It's like, no, what are you actually feeling? Like you said, and like, where is it in your body? What does it remind you of? When did you feel that way for the first time? Is this something that you could feel and also feel something else at the same time? Because most people will let jealousy stop them from something that they're also excited by. And it's like, I'm really curious and really turned on, but I'm jealous. So I can't do it. It's like, actually, you can. You can you can yeah. have both emotions at the same time. That's actually really fucking giant. And I'm actually glad that we, we tap back into this, right? Um, because the first time I felt... Because uh, I was like the party boy for forever, right? I I threw through like nightclub, like whatever, right? I lived in Vegas for a little bit. I, I lived in LA. I I did all this stuff, whatever. The fucking listeners are sick of hearing about it, but um, that's how we get to sex party because sex and party and whatever. But like, mm-hmm. basically, I had been living that lifestyle where it was like. I'm with, you know, threesomes and and two girls and this person's watching and like all of this stuff and it was fine. But the first time that uh that I was in love with someone and there was a, a an issue, right? It was very brief, but it, I I felt this like feeling for a second. And I'm yeah. like, "Wait a minute, what is that?" And what it was for me was this, oh, I wasn't aware that she was into girls. This is a surprise. A, I don't want to be made to look like a fool. Okay, where's that coming from, right? Because mm-hmm. I can get very cutthroaty, and I didn't want to kill this thing that I love so quickly doing that. So I'm like, okay, so we got that. And also, like, is this person going to leave me for some other person or whatever. Those were my two things. And again, Mm -hmm. they were brief, but I think they were only brief for me because I was able to identify, think, nah. And then I was like, oh shit, the person I love is in the girls too. This could be fun. So like I got to it, but I just think you're right. I think with, with people, you know, you're right. It almost isn't jealousy. Jealousy is like the person throwing the referee, throwing the red flag. And then you have to kind of open it up and see what's inside of it. Right. You're so right with that. I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. I mean, you gave a lot of, um, hardcore kind of advice, but if you had to really like sum it, sum it up or give someone like, uh, just a bite-sized chunk, like, uh, an Instagram reel, uh, uh, um, value, um, amount, right? How do people, how do people fight through that jealousy, figure out what it really is and then move on? Cause you're right. They are going to miss out on a ton of cool fucking shit. Yeah. Um, man, I mean, how do people fight through the jealousy? It's like trying to avoid jealousy or squash it or kill it. I think shouldn't be the goal. It's seeking to understand your emotions from a place of like observation and like a really conscious awareness and then going underneath and being curious. Okay. What's underneath that? What's underneath that? Mm -hmm. Because that's where you're going to find value. There's no value in like closing the lid on something really at all. Like, Oh, I don't want to look at that. 
Because what's going to happen is jealousy is just going to continue to pop up for you and run your life. That which you avoid is going to have control over you rather than working with something and seeking to understand your emotions because it might never go away. And a healthy amount of jealousy isn't a bad thing. Like jealousy could be, A, it's an indicator of like what you could work on next. B, it keeps you in a space of like, there's a bit of attraction, right? Mm -hmm. With jealousy, jealousy, like, and we don't have to look at it as jealousy. Like now I look at it as like mystery, like mystery and distance between two people creates attraction. There's nothing sexy about knowing every single thing about a person (laughs) at all. (laughs) Like there's like, there's, there's sexiness and novelty. And there's always a little bit of that like jealous excitement or like a little bit of that fear-based adrenaline in those types of dynamics. This is definitely not an Instagram reel size comment. No, 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 it's um, good. But it's it's so true. I think seeking to to fight against jealousy is the the wrong way to go to go about it. It's like, how can I understand it and actually have it work for me? Yeah. No, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, you know, you, you did, there is nothing sexy about knowing everything about someone, right? That mystery, like you said, is, is fucking hot. And it like powers, not just the relationship, but like all of this, all these other things that you may or may not learn about someone later down the line. There's a reason why Batman and Catwoman are always a couple, whether they're fighting or yeah. whatever, they're always coming together and like having sex on a rooftop because they don't know, you know? So like, yes, yeah, uh, we're, we're so, we're so there. We're so, so into that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that the word that keeps coming up in this interview with you is control, right? In the very beginning, you said you left threesomes very early on, like in, in, in high school, college, whenever that was right. Because you felt like you couldn't control it. And then control has come up like three or four times. So yeah. do you, do you think that the key to leading, uh, um, a healthier, uh, in a, in, you know, sexually, uh, mentally less anxiety, a more fulfilled full life. Do you think the key to that then is letting go of control? I do in some ways. Yeah. At least one of the keys to it is letting go of control and like, having the realization that we really can't control anything. Um, I know I try to, so many of us do, I think because there's less of the unknown when we feel like we know what's coming and we can like relax because we know what to expect. But ultimately that's an illusion. We, we never know what's going to happen. And so getting comfortable in the unknown space is really helpful for leading a healthier, more fulfilled life. As you said, yeah, it's a tricky one though. Like letting go of control is really hard for people. I mean, for anyone, like really. It's really hard. It's really hard. But I think what happens when you do try to control everything is you're always going to be disappointed because nothing ever works out exactly as you plan it. So what you do is you set expectations that then aren't met. And, mm. you know, I always try to, like one of my teachers who I love always says, trade your expectations for appreciation and you'll be much happier in your life. And I think that lends itself to like giving up control and just looking at everything like, you know, less tightness to it and just like saying like, Oh, cool. How can I appreciate this thing? You know, that maybe I didn't plan for, that's a surprise that popped up and I'm really big into energy. You know, I was an energy worker and just like working with people in that space of like, Reiki, whatever, spirituality. So for me, I grew to understand like when you try to control something and like hold it with a tight grip, you're going to sort of suffocate the energy. Whereas like if you have an open palm or open life, open mind, and you're able to sort of let things come and go as you would like in a meditation and you kind of apply that to your life. Like, okay, I'm going to let stuff happen as it happens. I'm not going to attach to it. I'm not going to try to like hold on and not let it go. Um, Things are so much more free and enjoyable. And you can really like relax into that expansion rather than the contraction of like, Oh, I need to control. 
if people, <laughs> people are listening, can't see me, but I'm like clenching my fists and like shaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it is, it is that feeling. It is that grinding, uh, you know, like help me, I'm being tied up and I don't like it. It's not sexual. It sucks. Uh, control, like it, it, it's difficult, but it, it is like, once you do it, I think sort of give up that idea that you're in control of anything, what it, small job, sex, whatever, like it does then become a habit, right? Like, and, and it's something you have to practice and, and whatever, and our egos get involved and in all of the fucking madness. Yeah. Right. But, but, but you're right. You're, you're totally right. It is so much better to, to let go mm-hmm. than to clench up. Right. Um, so having you here, I've, I've asked this question to other people who, who practice non-monogamy and, you know, are experts in their field. And I, I want to ask you, because I think everybody has their own unique definitions of things, especially this, but like in your own intimate, personal way, can you define non-monogamy and also, um, polyamory, like what the differences are, what they are individually. Um, because I know like there's a ton of different types of non-monogamy, right? And like yeah. polyamory has many different doors and things. So like, just let's be basic, right? Cause there's no dumb questions. There's no whatever. So I want, I want them to hear from you, your personal relationship with those terms. Yeah. So it's interesting. We actually created a dictionary. I don't know if you know this, but at Open Late, we made a dictionary for all these terms because people get really confused. And I think that's part of the reason that like, it's so taboo. People are like, okay, I can't, I can't wrap my head around this because I can't really understand it. So, um, go check that out. And I'm like, what does it even say? <laughs> like trying to remember actually for myself, what did we write as a definition of, you know, monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory. Um, but in just a quick, like take from my own brain right now, I think non-monogamy just includes any form of relationship that is not sexually and romantically exclusive with one person. So that's like any form of open or poly or I think even infidelity is non-monogamy. If you're just like looking at things in like definitions, and this is like a very unpopular opinion. People don't like it, especially people that are non-monogamous and polyamorous because (laughs) A lot of times they're like, we don't want to take responsibility for cheaters. Like they're not in our camp. But at the end of the day, it, there's monogamy and then there's non-monogamy. Now, if you break it down, there's infidelity and then there's consensual non-monogamy, which is what most people are referring to when they say non-monogamy is like two people or more than two come together and they all knowingly understand and enter into a relationship with people who are in other relationships then. And then polyamory takes it a step further where if you are polyamorous, then in my, these are, you know, my definitions, polyamory is when you can be in love with more than one person and have like a loving relationship. Whereas most people would consider open relationships less about, um, you know, romance and love and connection and more about, you know, physical intimacy, sex, dating, maybe, but not developing a love. And so I think like when you do that, it crosses the line into polyamory. But I think there's a lot of people who identify as non-monogamous or having an open relationship who do have loving relationships with other people that they have sex with. Um, But yeah, polyamory is when you like full full on cross that line and you're like, I can be in love with multiple people and have multiple loving partners at one time. Yeah. See, this is why I ask, because that's that was like the first of all, it's from the heart. It's your definition. It can be slightly different, totally different, a little different, not different at all from other people that I've asked on the show. I fucking love that you did that because that is straight from your core, like you're living that, right? And you just explained that in your own way and it was so simple and it was so amazing so thank you for that that means a ton um because it does get confusing right and like it can mean different things to different people and i think at the end of the day nothing fucking really truly matters unless it's from you and 
potentially like your partner and what you guys think and talk and whatever. That being said, you know, it, there, it, there does seem to be like watching your episodes and your content, a lot of like negotiation, where are your boundaries? Um, I want to do this. How does that feel? So could you talk a little bit about like, did you guys negotiate and talk boundaries like a lot? Like to you were just like ready to throw up in a bag because you had said it so many times or whatever, or like, what does that look like? Because I feel like the scary thing I think for people would be okay. Everybody gets into a situation. There's a new person in the bed. Right. And you're like, well, wait a minute. We didn't talk or maybe they don't stop and they let it go and they get pissed. Right. I feel like these are like things you had to have come up against. Um, in your work, in your life. So if you could talk about Mm -hmm. boundaries and negotiation, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, we did talk about it a ton in the beginning and I think, yeah, for my husband, it was probably ad nauseum for me. It was a little bit like, I'm freaking out because like a new thing's going to happen. And like, I want to try to control it all. Um, although we talked about it a ton, I think our boundaries were pretty limited and our like agreements in the beginning, we were pretty open quickly. So there wasn't a whole lot to negotiate, but like I would always bring it back up just to be an over communicator, which eventually I stopped doing because we didn't have to, you know, in the, in the early stages, it was like, okay, we will talk about everything before it happens. There's no, like, I'm going to go out and not text you all night, go home with a girl and you won't find out till I come home at four in the morning. Or vice versa, right? So it was all very like, we're going to check in with each other and get consent. Um, we also have always been a, like very open. We share everything. So even talking to the other people that we'd be with and letting them know, like, you know, we always have to let the other person know that we're in an open relationship unless somebody's on vacation and it's very clear that that person doesn't care. Like we don't have to go into the whole, like I am married, whatever. If Pasha's in whatever to Mexico for the weekend and the person knows he's on vacation and she's not like, she knows she's never going to see him again. But for the most part, like 99% of the time we tell everybody that was always a really important agreement for me because I never want to hurt anybody or, you know, enter into a situation where then somebody feels like we were dishonest with them. So that was it. That person has to know that person also has to know that then you're going to share with me about your experience, right? Because I think like consent works always, not just both ways, but now there's another person entering into it. So making sure that like everyone's comfortable that in our dynamic, we share everything. And the more we were in this you know, type of relationship, the less we cared about details and nitty gritty. But in the beginning, it's very important for people listening who are just starting out. I guarantee it's like, that's the most important thing for people who want to know. They want to know everything because it gives you a sense of like trust and security, which we all need a little bit of. Um, So there was that. Another agreement was we were not going to hook up with friends We never wanted to make our friends uncomfortable around us was another thing. So we just sort of had that blanket agreement, which we always broke. (laughs) Not always, but we broke a couple (laughs) times. Um, We broke a couple times and it ended up being fine. Like the first time we did it, it was with um, a friend who was a woman and I was really nervous about it. But then it was like, you know what? This is easy. She's awesome. So it's not going to be a thing. And then the next time was like a guy who... We were like acquaintances with who ended up becoming a really good friend. And that has been totally fine over the years. In fact, like amazing. I'm so glad it happened. Now I'm so glad that we're actually just friends and like, you know, don't hook up. We've been able to transition really nicely and like one of my best friends. And yeah, over the years we've been like, okay, when all your friends are hot and you love them so much, like there doesn't have to be this like crazy boundary. So if it happens, it happens. Um, I'm trying to think if we had any other agreements, but for us now, it's so fluid that it's been probably years since we've really talked about it. But the interesting thing that happened, I think this is important to share. When we first started dating Lauren, we 
we took a big trip. We went to Bali together with a bunch of our friends, actually. And we brought Lauren. And we, on that trip, we had like a big roller coaster of emotions. What we realized is we never set up boundaries and agreements with Lauren to have her feel comfortable in our relationship. It was like assumed that she would feel safe and taken care of, but there was like flirting that was happening um, with Pasha and just like other women. And it was like a big trigger for her. And I don't think any of us saw it coming. Like Pasha and I didn't see it coming, but it was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like we've exhausted this between us. So we don't have to anymore because there's such an understanding, but we never did that with her. And so I've learned a lot about having like a threesome dynamic or having like a triad or a thruple, whatever you would call that, whether it's a one night thing or an ongoing relationship, that person is a full on whole ass person in your relationship. And they deserve the same like respect and care that you give each other. And that goes for, even if it's like a one night threesome checking in, what are your boundaries? What are, what are your expectations from us? How can we fill them? What are your desires? What do you want to have happen? What are your fears? And starting there and like creating a lot of conversation around that with the third is always going to give you, I mean, just like such a better experience than not having the conversation. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like if people are just starting out or, or, or maybe, you know, midway through their, whatever it is, like they're a couple months in or a year, whatever, it sounds like in the beginning, however long that lasts for you, that the big, uh, the big items are like a fuck ton of communication, not just with your partner, partner, but with this new partner, um, mm-hmm. clearly defining everyone's boundaries, right. And then respecting the shit out of that, protecting those for yourself and other people. That sounds like a little bit of a cheat code, really, if you can keep doing that until things do become fluid. That's really interesting that you guys would be like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then this new person would come in like, guys, what are you doing talking to this other chick or whatever? (laughs) Yeah. That's really interesting. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was funny because we were like, oh, duh. Like we didn't even, (laughs) how did we not see that this was going to be an issue? And it was totally fine once it was talked about and everyone Mm -hmm. really understood. And like Lauren felt really safe. Like we might flirt, but you know, we're here with you and like, you are, you're a part of our lives and this is like, not going to change. Um, that it was fine. And that's what people need to hear a lot of times. It's just like that they're safe. Yeah. I mean that communication and like, this something we come across on this show a lot is this idea of safety, you know, um, amazing things can happen when someone feels fucking safe. And like you discussed, you know, you didn't feel quite safe in other relationships because there was like jealousy and cheating and all these things. But like when you're in a relationship and someone makes you feel safe, it doesn't just go a long way. It goes the whole fucking way, right? Yeah, it really does. It's, it always, it's wild to think about. Like I was in that relationship where this guy was cheating constantly and like filming it and like, I don't even know if these women knew sometimes that they were like being filmed. It was actually like really not good. And, you know, he had all these like kinks he wanted to fulfill. And it's like, hello, <laughs> have you met? Like, do you know who I've become? <laughs> like we, it's just, you know, had, had we had safety in our relationship, maybe I didn't create enough safety for him to say, you know, and, Granted, we can't go back. I'm pretty sure this person wanted to do what they did, like in secrecy. And this was like part of the, you know, whatever disordered personality thing. But (laughs) it it always made me wonder, like, dude, we could have done this together. Just be honest. Like there's there's somebody for everybody. There is somebody who will love and respect you and want to do what you're doing for pretty much everybody on the planet. Like unless you're a psychopath. Um, and so just be honest and be open about what you want. That's the PSA. It's like own your stuff, your fears, your desires, whatever it is, your boundaries, because just being true to you opens up the conversation. And like you said, it goes the whole way, not just a long way. And it creates so much stability so that you can play and like get everything you want out of life. 
Yeah, I mean, here you are saying that, right? And I'm constantly fucking blowing that horn out uh, every fucking episode. Like, be honest, tell the truth, be honest, tell the truth. What do you want? Tell the truth, be honest. And it's simple, right? It's simple for you. It's simple for me, all the things. It's doing it is fucking different. It's really hard. It takes probably when your partner's like, well, like you say you're into like, you know, crazy, weird things. Well, like what? And you're like, oh. Like, like everyone has a pullback a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. I'm ex- extremely honest, but it's taken practice. It's taken mm-hmm. a lot of years, like, you know, because, and I've had experts on the show and it's like, well, what if you communicate something uh, and that person like, you know, says you're a weirdo and, and tell, tells all their friends, the worst case scenario, fuck that person, right? You just, mm-hmm. congratulations. You just skipped ahead seven years. You don't need to deal yeah. with that person. But I, I think in my unexpert opinion, and I've been told this is actually incorrect, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's my show. Um, that person's with you for a reason and you don't realize how much you probably have in common. And I would say again, not an expert, don't quote me or do whatever. Uh, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, they're probably going to be okay with some of the crazy shit. You can disagree if you want to disagree. I think, I, I think that there's a reason why two people are together. And so, you know, if it doesn't work out, see you later, right? If they think you're a weirdo, see you later. But I just think more times than not, people would be surprised. Also, yes. And here's the thing. I mean, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. This is why non-monogamy is so great because like, if you're into Shibari and your partner's not like your primary partner or one of your partners, whatever, you can go explore that and have that need filled with another partner. That's like, that's the beauty of being open and being able to be with multiple people. Like you don't have to do everything with this one person and expect this one person or want this one person to want to do all the things that you want to do. The other note that came up for me as you were talking, and I've actually started to say this a lot too, is like, it's okay to like do something that you don't like. I was always afraid like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like that. So I won't try it. And it's like, you actually don't know if you're going to like something until you do it. You can have, you know, an assumption, but a lot of times our assumptions are wrong and they're very fear-based. So try the thing. And then if you still don't like it, you just don't have to do it again. For me, it was always so, um, I don't know, like, like the stakes were always so high. Like I never wanted to make a mistake. And it's like, you can't make a mistake just because you did something that you didn't like doesn't make it a mistake. It makes it a sampler. And then you just don't order that thing off the menu again. It took me a long time to learn that. And I'm like, really glad I finally did because I found things that I do enjoy And then things that I don't enjoy, I actually know that I don't like them then. It's not just this like assumption where, and then like I wonder in the back of my head, like maybe I would like that. I don't know. You know? So I think it's so important to like try for everybody listening. Don't be afraid to try things. If you don't like it, great. It's not like there's a, you know, a mark on your soul. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you say it, you know, uh, when you say it's okay to do something that you don't like, right. Which I'll probably use as a quote just to be spicy. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, you're right. You're not going to learn that the mozzarella sticks are fucking burned on the inside unless you order those fucking things. Right. So like, let's go. (laughs) No, I I love that. I really, I really love that. Cause you have to try shit. You gotta try shit. It, It makes your life so much better. And also like the mozzarella sticks at one restaurant could be really shitty and the mozzarella sticks at another restaurant could be really good. So like yeah. also try it twice, try it twice For real? at a yeah. different restaurant. Maybe more than twice. I mean, come on, right? Ask around uh, for Yelp reviews, right? Yeah, um, exactly. If you try something three times and it's not your thing, then yeah. you're, it's probably not your thing, but. You Try know. a different kind of cheese. There's some. There's something yeah. out there for you, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so okay. So uh, you have this 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 lifestyle that's that's different from the norm, right? What's the norm? Sucks, but like you're living this amazing life, um, Burning Man and 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 parties and uh, polyamory and non-monogamy. So I'm wondering, this being sex party, 
Can you, can you tell a story? Is there one that stands out or something maybe you have never told? Whatever mm. you're comfortable with, I want to lead with that, right? But if, is there a story that would just blow our fucking eyeballs out of our brains that you could tell, right? Like something that's important to you, something that's fun, wacky, whatever you want, I will say the wilder, the, the more sluttier, the fun, the funner, funner, funnier, funner, the, the better. Like, but again, whatever you'd like to share, I would like to open this up to, for you to tell a story. I mean, there's great, there's great Burning Man stories. We, I had my, we hooked up with our first couple ever at Burning Man, which I mentioned earlier, which was super hot. And we were such newbies. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, I can tell this story. So this was, I, almost 10 years ago now, no, nine years ago, I guess. And uh, have you been to Burning Man? I have not. Uh, for okay. the people who don't know what Burning Man is, you could tell them what it is too. Yeah. So it's this, it's, it's a really big um, community of people that meet up in the desert once a year um, in Northern Nevada and essentially create a city out of nothing. Um, and I'm, I'm explaining it this way because I really don't like when people call it a festival because it's really sure. not a festival. Yeah. Um, it is a full on city with streets and roads and municipalities and hospitals that is built from scratch and about 80,000 people show up and there is music, you know, so like it could feel like a music festival for some people. There's a ton of art and it's like complete freedom. You can walk around naked if you want all day long. Um, you can just radically express yourself however you want. It's such a beautiful place. You can do drugs, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, no, I mean, it's still legal. A lot of people well. do them, but you can't <laughs> technically do them. Um, there are cops walking around that will arrest you if they like, so you can't do them out in the open. Okay. Um, retract anyway, everybody, retract my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh So there is a camp called the Orgy Dome. So if you've never heard of Burning Man, then you probably don't know about the Orgy Dome, but there is an actual camp and their entire like existence or their gift to the fly up because every camp comes with a gift. If you're a theme, theme camp is to create this Orgy Dome sex space for people. And so it's a big dome and you go and like most good parties, play parties, when you show up to the front door, you need to bring your ID, you need to prove you're not intoxicated and you need to go through an enthusiastic consent like questionnaire. It's just like a verbal thing that they check in with you. Um, they make sure that you're there with a group of people. You can't go in as a single person. Um, so we go in and there's like two sides there. Most places, like sometimes there are bracelets. This There's like a, a room on the left and a room on the right. The left is just us where you want to play with just the people that you came with. So like your partner, the group. Um, and in that space, you're, you know, no one's allowed to approach you and you're not, you know, meant to approach anybody else. And on the right is the like more like we're going to, we're here to play with other people. So first night we go in, we go to the just us side. I'm getting my bearings. I'm like, okay, this is cool. You can like watch other people. It's really hot. The second night we go in, we go to the other side and we like start hooking up and there's just like a really attractive couple over on the couch, like making eyes with them. And like, I'm so nervous because I'm such like a baby non-monogamer <laughs> and I like don't really know what I'm doing at that point. I don't have a lot of confidence in myself the way I do now, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, are they looking over here? And Pasha's like, do you want to talk to them? And I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, are you sure? And I was like, maybe, you know, I'm just like very baby about it. And we end up moving from like the bed that we were on over to the couch next to them. Clearly they're looking at us. We're looking at them like this is going to go down. So my husband is like, kind of looks over at them and just says, can she join you? And they were like, yeah. So I go over and she like, she, he's sitting and she's facing him. So they're kind of in the like, you know, yak yum position that you would people talk about in Tantra. Um, and she like hops off and is like, you can get on basically. So I like <laughs> sit on this guy's lap facing him. We start making out. And then she's sitting next to me and like playing with my hair. And it's like so sensual. And, 
Um, and then like he's watching, which is really hot. So we've never had this experience, this dynamic before. And he's just like chilling, watching the whole thing. And I'm like making out with her, making out with him. I end up like sitting on him and starting to ride him. It's like super hot. She then goes over to Pasha and starts to go down on him. So now we've like fully swapped and it's like on. So I haven't told the story in a while. I'm like getting all unbothered. Um, and they were like really attractive couple. So, you know, we're just like going at it. And eventually like I end up having this like great big orgasm. Oh, she comes behind me and is like going to town on my ass. It was amazing. Like it was like a full on self service, like, or I was being served, not self service, but I was just like, this is what it's like to have two people just completely focused on you and your partner watching. So I just felt so like it was a lot of stimulation, but in the best way, because before that we had only ever had threesome experiences. Like, so it was just the three of us. He was also engaged. So this was so different because it was two brand new people and he's like watching me be pleasured. Um, yeah, it was. And then you know, I just kind of like hung out there longer. I think I ended up having two orgasms and then she ended up finishing Pasha like with a blowjob. It was like hot to watch that too. And then it was great. We like packed up, said bye and went our, <laughs> went our own separate ways. And they actually came to our camp to like see us a couple of days later. And it was just super chill. But that was the one thing too about this whole world of non-monogamy. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, how's it going to be? Like, or do people want to like stay in touch or stay in contact? Or because in my in my monogamous life, it was like being that good girl who was like only hooking up with people that I dated. It was like if you slept with somebody, like you were going to be in a relationship with them. Like you didn't do it. It was like not one without the other. So this was a whole new world of like casualness to sexuality that I never had before. And I really loved it was like, it was like a freedom from so many strings attached and emotions and like, Oh, these are just really cool people. And we're going to be maybe friends with them. Maybe not. Maybe we'll never see them again. And that was so liberating because I like had my partner and that dynamic really works for me. So in some ways it was like super hot and sexy, but it was also this, I think, maturity that happened for me and this like emotional level up that came with it because I was like, Oh, this can be normal. And this is just like healthy. Yeah. And like your nerves literally turned into orgasm. So like, does it get fucking much better than that? No. Right. Um, you, you had an, you, you know, the accidental threesome you had, you had an accidental threesome. It changed your life. So in closing, how can give them some advice on how they can have an accidental threesome and change their life? Mm. Be open. <laughs> like it's so lame, but uh, pun intended. No, <laughs> really being open to being uncomfortable and your life will change, whether it's a threesome, whether it's a sexual experience or just an experience in general in relationship. Because that creates real intimacy. When you are okay being vulnerable, putting yourself in a situation where you might not be able to control it, that's what will change your life ultimately. It's like, until you can be comfortable in your uncomfortable emotions, you'll stay the same. And you'll get what you've been getting in the relationship that you have now. Jessica Espandiari, thank you so much for being on Sex Party. Uh, let's tell Thanks them where they, can, where they can find you. Where can they listen to the show? If you have services, if you're if you're doing coaching, any of that. Like, let's. How do they give you money? How do they come listen to the show and rate everything five stars? Yeah, come listen to the show. Make me so happy. You can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify. We also put the videos on YouTube. Um, you can find me on Instagram at openly the podcast. Also our website, openlypodcast.com. You can actually, if you, if you go to the Instagram, um, the dictionary that I talked about earlier is a free download. Would love to share it with you. There's other cool things in the link tree. We have a quiz for if you want to see what type of non-monogamy 
you're best suited for, whether it's like monogamish or full-on polyamory. We made a quiz that's also free and like takes five seconds to take. And I think it's really informative and helps people understand themselves better. Um, big eye opener. So yeah, come, come play with us. You know, we've got a lot of really cool free resources for you. And yes, I do coaching. And I also have a team of coaches, um, who if I'm unavailable or there's a time difference that, you know, is happening. Um, I actually have two incredible coaches that I work with and that are experienced in non-monogamy and can support. Yeah. Amazing. Well, this was fucking awesome. You're fucking awesome. I'd love to have you back. So we'll have to set that up. You know, you never know what's going to happen on sex party. So thank you for being here and we will, we will definitely see you soon. Thanks for having me, Justin. Bye. Thank you to Jessica Esfandiari for being my guest this week on Sex Party. Love that episode, right? Hope you guys got a ton from it. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're enjoying guests like Jessica, if you want more guests like Jessica, if you want more Sex Party, there's a couple different ways you can show that love, that appreciation, that desire for more. If you're listening on platforms like Apple and Spotify, you could subscribe to the show. You could leave a rating, you could leave a review, you could tell your your aunts, your cousins, your brothers, your friends, anyone, employees of the grocery store. You could tell them, hey, listen to Sex Party. If you're watching on YouTube, ooh, if you're watching on YouTube, I love you. Uh, I see you. Thank you. Uh, you're the best, right? If you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel. You can like the video. You can leave a comment. As always, you guys can reach out to me in the DMs on Instagram, and I will see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening. The party continues next week. Click subscribe and let's make this a regular thing. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at SexPartyFM. Follow Dustin at Dustin Ribka.